morning. I'm Chris Farrell, in for Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News, and I'm glad you could join us today. Now, there's a good chance you've seen artificial intelligence at work, even if you weren't aware of it. I mean, AI is everywhere. For example, I recently wrote an informational sidebar to a story using ChatGPT, and it's disclosed at the top, and my editor liked it. So the people who are selling you things have more tools under their belt than ever before to market to and for you. So this hour, we'll talk about how Minnesota companies are already using AI in their marketing efforts and what that means for us as consumers. And I want to hear from you too. How are you using artificial intelligence to work more effectively? What questions do you have about AI as it becomes part of everyday life? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or at 800-242-2828. So now let's bring our guests. Both of them are here in the studio. Joe Redden is the chair in marketing analytics and a professor at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Corey Dawkin is president of the American Marketing Association's Minnesota chapter and vice president of business development at 08, a Minnesota-based digital agency. Good morning. Good. Good morning. All right. So to start off, and I'll start off with you, Joe, um, same basic question to help us frame this conversation. What is artificial intelligence? Yeah, that's that's a tricky question. You you ask a thousand people, you'll probably get a thousand different answers. Uh, Here's how I like to think of it is that artificial intelligence is about, can I use machines to do tasks that previously humans did? And sometimes those tasks may be really skilled humans, such as like a medical exam, passing that. And so I think it's about can we uh, have this technology that can now somewhat replace some of the need for humans to execute those tasks. Where I would add one clarifying, I think what's made it so exciting recently is what some people will add the qualifier of calling it generative AI. And typically what that means, the generative is that the AI wasn't necessarily trained on that specific task. So take the most popular AI, ChatGPT, that most people talk about. You know, they've recently shown it passes the the bar exam, medical exams, every AP high school uh, exam pretty much. But it wasn't trained to do that. And so I think that's what we mean by generative. It seems like it just has this general capability to generate new knowledge, generate new solutions. So uh, before we went into the air, I was having a conversation with producer Gretchen Brown, and she mentioned Deep Blue. So it was back in 1997, Deep Blue uh, played uh, Gary Kasparov, you know, considered the great chess master of all time, and defeated him. It was a signal moment. So what's the difference between uh, Deep Blue in 1997 and Chat GPT, what we're talking about now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's two elements there, I, I think, related to the answer I gave. So one is technology just got better. And so I think, you know, first it wins at checkers, then it wins at chess. And even the Kasparov, it was, I don't believe it won every game against him, if I recall. Just won, yep. Uh, and now it would, it would win every time versus the, the chess masters, pretty much. And now the, and then Go was the game that it couldn't beat the chess masters or the grandmasters, but now it has. So part of that is just technology getting better and and. Uh, better at executing. But I think the other difference too is, and a lot of those technologies like Deep Blue were generally trained on chess. They were focused on trying to win that game against him. Whereas the chat GPT again, uh, I mean, some people might train it on chess, but that's not what the one we're using. It's a general tool that could 
win at chess, win at checkers, win at go, win at whatever game you kind of want to come up with if you can tell it the rules. So, Corey, how do you think? It, I mean, I imagine you're in a lot of uh, the association's meetings, you know, people are sort of talking about, what is this AI thing? So how do you think about it? Yeah, with these with uh, American Marketing Association, we try to, I mean, that's education and networking for our marketing professionals. So we try to keep AI a topic um, that we work into our programming. So we're constantly educating our, our members. Um, and then on the agency side, you know, it's uh, it's everywhere right now. There and it's tools, and the tools are growing exponentially every day. So ChatGPT is just one of many, um, because to me, at the end of the day, AI it's software. Okay, it's very sophisticated software, and it enables us to do things. And people are going to create products out of that. And so the marketer's toolbox went from you know a couple of years ago to a very simple, <laughs> you know you know, handyman toolbox to now like a superstore of tools that enables us to do so many things. Um, you know, it can handle parts of strategy. It can help us with all different parts of content development. Um, it can help us build websites and optimize our ads and so many things could go on and on. Chris. Okay. So, you know, you're right. Cause uh, you know, if you, you open up the wall street journal, financial times, listen to NPR, NPR, you know, there's always a story about artificial intelligence. So, so, Corey, do you think it's worth the hype? I mean, do you think this is that that, that the hype is justified? Yeah, I think um, you know, there's always going to be new software products coming out. Um, I think I feel like it's changing. You know, marketers in that, like I say, they have more tools, so it's en- enabling them to be more productive and do more things. And, and marketing is vast. There's many roles. There's specialists. There's managers, directors. There's people just on the execution side. There's really tools for everything now to enable us to do our jobs faster and, you know, drive more leads, if you will, or drive more conversions on your website. So it is accelerating marketing. So, Joe, my first um, office job, I had uh, an IBM Selectric. And if you didn't hit the enter button, you could erase a line. This was incredible. You didn't have to use whiteout. And then, you know, you think about my journalism career. When, then it was a dedicated word processor. Then it's the PC. Now it's uh, smartphones. I, you know, all kinds of things. So how do you think about this in that sort of technological in- innovation uh, curve? Yeah, so I, <clears throat> yeah, I remember I was – Talking about this to someone, so, so I'm definitely, I think this technology is amazing. I think it's got so many possibilities. Every day I'm finding new things it can do for me. And I was qualifying of, you know, so I've been around a while on this earth, and I've seen three technologies I, 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 that have been big in my time. The first was the internet. The second was smartphones. And I put this as the third one. And I'm not rank ordering those. I actually think it's at least number two out of those three in terms of impact. We just don't know yet. I think it's... I just looked through my teaching and, and the things we're teaching marketers to do, students to do. Almost every single topic, there's a way you could use this thing to be more efficient, to be more effective. I, I don't think that's overblowing it. I think we've just scratched the surface. So when you're teaching your students, are you building this into your curriculum? I mean, when they graduate, are they going to be, I don't know, conversant, comfortable, able to uh, go to a company and say, hey, I, I can use AI? I am. It's, there's a lot of disagreement of how people are approaching this in, in college. My, my view is they're going to have this tool in the workplace. So part of my job is to teach them to leverage that. And so I really teach it more about a it's not replacing your thinking. It's taking some of those tasks that you don't want to waste time doing. It does those instantly for you. 
much like your typewriter did, where now I don't have to spend all the time whiting out and I can put more of my time to actually thinking about the content. And so almost every assignment, and in fact, last year, I had one assignment I give students where I asked them about a brand new technology. So this is one like a smartphone or a, a smart toothbrush where it'll map your mouth out. And then every time you brush, it'll give you feedback on spots you're missing, how well you did. So I asked them, how big do you think that market could be in 20 years for this product? And I give them like a four or five page overview document of how to do this, not for smart toothbrushes, but just in general. And I thought for sure it won't be able to do that assignment. If I tell it, here's the four-page overview, go do it for this brand new product. It gave me a fantastic answer. It did make one critical mistake, which a lot of students make. But as soon as I told it, fix that one thing, it's a great answer. So now instead of the student spending tons of time with all that work in Excel and building that up, they can spend the time instead thinking about the core fundamental assumptions of their approach, how they're going to leverage it, other considerations, how they might market this, how consumers might be resistant to it. And so I, it really left the impression to me, almost no assignment is safe. And I think in education, if you think you're going to detect people using it, you're wrong. It, it's, it's ahead of the curve. You're not going to be able to detect those things. But I, why do that? They're going to have that in the workplace. So, Corey, I mean, yeah, 08, I mean, you hire people, you have the marketing association. I mean, is this something that you're now routinely looking for? This is an expectation in the marketing world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I see two, two, the, the two extreme sides of it. So on the agency side, you know, we're, we're, we have a Slack channel just dedicated to researching the tools. So, you know, 08 a very innovative, progressive agency. So we're all over it. We want to understand everything and we want to know the tools. And then on the client side, you know, I'm talking with prospective clients. I'm even speaking at conferences. Um, I'm, I'm interacting with marketers. One example, I spoke at a rural healthcare conference late last year and I talked to marketers that hadn't even touched it yet. So it's still emerging, but, but, you know, in healthcare, it's more, um, a little more like highly regulated. So they're scared of it. You know, they're scared of getting, sued or you know getting in trouble so um so yeah there, i see the two extremes of it i'm introducing people to it but yet at 08 we're embracing it uh completely to be more productive for our clients joe yeah to say that it spoke at a conference recently and it was uh, a marketing conference the university puts on and so these are mostly you know, managers directors at, at large companies and so i started off my talk with exactly that question i said by show of hands who has never used chat gpt ever about a third of the people raised their hand which was shocking to me then I said, how many of you have used it maybe once or twice here and there a little bit, but not much, just kind of for fun? And about a third said that. And then how many of you are really trying to find ways to leverage it? Uh, and about a third of that. And so I, I think it's really across the spectrum. And two-thirds of those people are really missing out <laughs> in my eyes. Well, Corey, one thing is I was uh, at the uh, Better Business Bureau annual meeting and um, sitting next to uh, – Head of, I believe it was head of communications at, at Bachman's and come back from a, a conference is the gardening flower industry, yeah. uh, in Phoenix. And I don't know, it's a big conference. And she was saying that AI was the topic. That's what, and this is, and that's when I sort of went, Oh, this is really, this is penetrating deep because I would not sit around and think AI and flowers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I attend conferences all over the U S. Um, industry conferences, marketing conferences, and it's a topic everywhere. I've probably sat in on six or seven people speaking about it. So and you're it, probably now the expert. Well, working on it. <laughs> trying, trying to keep up. 
<laughs> well, let's go to uh, the phone lines and let's go to Molly in Minneapolis. And, and Molly, what is your uh, observation or question? Good morning. It's great to great to be here. Um, one of the things I think we forget sometimes when we talk about the uptick and the excitement around technologies like ChatGPT and recent AI technologies is that AI as a term, artificial intelligence, is something we've been using since 1955. We coined the term machine learning in 1952. So these are old ideas and old terms in new clothing. And there's a lot of hype, and I think that hype is to be warranted. But with that hype comes some fear as well. And I want to point out that we do have a lot of frameworks and a lot of tools, given this long history, that we can apply and that we can think through. Um, Starting in about 2018, a lot of ethics frameworks around AI were produced, and there are quite literally hundreds of them out there. But they talk about thinking about the human role with technologies. And when I consider the marketing perspective, I think there's some real opportunity there about how we look at how humans are affected by technologies like AI, like machine learning, pattern recognition, and all these advanced um, possibilities. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for calling in. And uh, let's go to Corey first, first to you and then Joe. Uh, this sort of ethical framework with marketing and AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, still, at the end of the day, they're – there are tools we have access to. I, th- I feel like it, you still need a human to check the work. Um, I feel like marketing is still, I feel like AI is still weak with marketing strategy. You can use it for certain components, like developing personas, but you still need a human to prompt like what that strategy is. But then there's all the tools to help develop the content, but you still need you still need human eyes to like proof it and make sure it's relevant to your target audiences. Interesting question, but sort of adding a little bit, I was reading an article, I can't remember, it might've been the financial times or something saying, you know, we should really shouldn't be calling it artificial intelligence. We should be calling it augmented intelligence. Um, but anyway, your reaction to what Molly, Molly was saying, do, do we yeah. have these tools? I mean, I, I think one point Molly made that is right on that we, we touched on earlier a little bit. I mean, that's the deep blue idea that it, it, We've had a lot of these ideas before. They're just getting better and better and better. And so I think more people are finding access to it. More people are finding ways it can help them. I, I think one thing with the uh, uh, ethics side of it and just how much do you trust it? And so I think there's two two things I've learned in, in some of the research I'm doing. Uh, you know, one is, would I trust it blindly? Of course not. I think it, it can still make lots of mistakes. It can make blatant mistakes. It can... M- do things inappropriately. But do you trust the internet? I mean, just because it's on the internet doesn't it, mean that it's I mean, true, I mean, right? I mean, yep. People make mistakes. I guess what I, what I say is kind of like that old line of trust but verify. <laughs> so for yeah. some tasks, I'm willing to do that. I think the other piece is too that you've got to learn in your world, your setting. When can you trust it? When can't you? When is it? And not say trust, but when is it productive? When is it useful? And when is it not? And I think a lot of that's going to take testing. So I recently ran. Some experiments where I wanted to know how well could it create magazine taglines. And so for 10 different brands. And a magazine tagline would be? Like the headline of the magazine. Like Nike, just do it or something. Or the slogan. But some some, uh, main part of it. So I took 10 uh, well-known brands that you've heard of. I took the original magazine ad. And then for each of those 10, I asked ChatGBT, said, hey, create the tagline for me. So it's about a 10-word 
description, you know, that pops up at the top of the ad. And so then I photoshopped all these new versions and tested them. What happened? Well, uh, the free version of ChatGPT, the 3.5 that most people use if you're not paying for it, uh, clearly lost. The original was much better. Uh, if you've got the resources, you would be better off creating your own taglines. Then I reran it with the paid version, the improved 4.0 GPT. And I also changed the prompt a bit to give it a little more detail and to structure the task a little more for it. Then what I found is on average, ChatGPT still did a little worse than the expert, but pretty darn close. So if you don't have a lot of resources, you might be better using it. But what's interesting, I think the, the best strategy is what I call test for the best. It's let me use ChatGPT to quickly generate 10 for me. 10 different ideas, and let's go test those ideas and see which one's better. So on average, it didn't do so great, but its best one was just as good, if not better, than the experts. So a way of thinking about it, it is a way to raise the bar, right? So you can at least come up with the average fairly quickly, and then can you improve on that? For that task. For that, that task. I think you got to try it for your world, and there may be some task. It may fail miserably. Some task, it does quite well, but it, it's so situation-specific I don't think we have a lot of great faith in our ability to predict yet. When is it going to do really well? I mean, we have some rubrics and some frameworks to help with that. But I think a lot of it is you just got to try it yourself. Corey? And I was going to say, that's, that's a great example on just the content development side, you know, developing creative and taglines. Um, now, let's say, if th- let's say those were digital ads placed on the internet. There's AI technology now that can take those and even create more versions and test hundreds of versions of ads for companies to see which one's going to perform the best and then focus down on the best one. So explain to me, when when people say to me, my AI marketing, my AI digital marketing is more effective than it was before when I was using just a straightforward internet program, what are they talking about? I mean, what does that really mean? Well, it goes back to all the different tools you can use for the different pieces of digital marketing. So SEO, for example, which is search engine optimization, that's keywording your site so people can find it. There's AI tools just to like optimize your own website so people can find it. Automatic tools that'll make your site found. So that's just like one thing. And then there's the digital ad world, um, which has its own set of tools to optimize ads. So it kind of depends on which piece you're talking about it can get complicated really so, fast so give, give us okay, but can you give us sort of a, an example in the digital ad world of, yes. of how this might uh how this might work just so we're sort of like familiar with what with with how what this really means yeah. in the in the marketing world yeah so you know there could be let's say you use chat gpt or another type content tool to develop your content your taglines your ads and you, you can use another tool to create multiple versions of that um, and then when it comes to deploying those ads, there's there's tools that you can use to test those ads um, to see which one is most pr- productive. And then you're reviewing the analytics to you know predict your consumer behavior to see which one is going to work best. Now, if you Google like what these tools are, you'll just get a list because there's so many right now. Like I was saying earlier on the call, the, the amount of tools are growing exponentially. Um, you know, even with like video marketing, there's tools where you can create an ad. In 40 seconds, a promotional video. It might not be the same quality as like something you'd spend a hundred grand on, but you can make a video in 40 seconds now and use that. Um, 
that's just yeah, just trying try to okay. communicate how everything is accelerating. All right, well, let's. I mean, I give you a couple of yeah. examples. I mean, there's just so many things that, that people will start to think in their world. Imagine I'm a retailer selling lots of products. Maybe I use it to try some different product descriptions. I don't want to sit down and write, you know, a bunch of different product description versions for thousands of products. But ChatGPT can do that really easily and quickly, right? And so I think people will start to or imagine I'm Spotify and I want to think, okay, I'm supposed to play a playlist for someone next or, you know, what song I want to keep them engaged. It can come up with, here's some, here's some possible playlists based on what they've seen. Is, is this stuff totally new? No. But I think what is different is it's so much more efficient and accessible now. Ev- yeah. Everyone can get to it. One, yeah, exactly. And one, one more example. Let's say, you're, let's say you have an e-commerce website. You're selling something on a website. You've already done the ad work to get people to your website. There are tools just to AI tools to optimize your website to predict what the consumer behavior is doing so that you can optimize your site to get better conversions. Okay. That's called Fung Wei. That's a nut that's a tool. That's one tool that's used out there in the digital marketing world as well. So All right. Well, let's go to uh back to the phone lines and I just also want to reach out, you know, to to everybody listening, you know, how are you using artificial intelligence to work more effectively? I mean, has AI changed the way you do your job? What questions do you have for the two experts we have here about AI as it increasingly becomes a part of our everyday life? Give us a call 651-227-6000. 800-242-2828. And now let's go to Tom in Edina. And Tom, what is your question? Um, yeah, I have a question. Uh, my dad was a large advertising firm in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, some of the icons were like the Marlboro Man, the Green Giant, the Snowboy. Um, do you think that AI could... Uh, design an icon for you, and number two, should it? Ah, those are two good questions. Thank you very much for for calling in. And uh, I, did your dad have anything to do with uh, the Green Giant or any of these uh, uh, iconic uh, brands? Uh, they were an artistic firm. Uh, 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 basically, they drew the art. Uh, so ah. we had um, Marlboro Global and those types of things. But uh, an icon can last for, you know, 75, 80 years. Uh, uh, companies put a lot of money to that. Uh, it becomes part of their corporate image. Yeah. It's basically worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to them. So, you know, should AI design the icon and why or why not? Okay. So, uh, Joe. Sure. Yeah, so, so I'll break that into two pieces. I, I think one, can it do it? Uh, the answer to that is yes. Uh, how well it can do it's a separate issue. But I, I think of recently, my, my son was uh, wanting to create a cartoon. And so he had an idea for the, the humor he wanted with it and the caption. And so he used AI to say, here's my caption for the cartoon. And it could create lots of different versions of the drawing. And it looked amazingly professional. So can it do those things? Absolutely. Uh, and that, that, that technology has really improved in the last year or so. Should it do it? There's a couple um, questions there. One I would have is it's not clear it can do it better than the expert may be able to, who can you know, tap into the culture, tap into trends, tap into what's going to resonate with people. We just don't know. I think you'd have to test that piece. But another element of should it there, and, and this is really a gray area right now, 
is the legal defensibility of that, uh, of the trademarking and, and copyright and, and some of that law. And it's still unsettled how that's going to pan out of how well can you defend it. Certainly, you would still need to do all the due diligence you normally need to do to make sure that you know no one else has, has already done something similar. Um, so I think that that's still a gray area. But if I were in that, that spot, I would certainly use it as a helper. And it might give me some ideas. It might spark some ideas that then I couple with my expertise and supplement the two. I think that's where the real power is. Personally, I think the biggest benefiters of this longer term are going to be the experts. Because I think they're going to find I can do the mindless stuff instantly. And it may spark some idea that when combined with their insight, their brilliance, that's where you get the real synergy. And Corey, I mean, could and should, because I mean, I think as, as, as in marketing, you know, things like being able to create the jolly green giant, I mean, that's the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. It certainly could. And anybody could do it. And you could even do it for free. So I think of tools like Dolly and like Midjourney uh, are examples of tools where you can create AI generated visuals. These can be text to image where you prompt. You, you write the right prompts, and that'll create uh, versions of characters or image, any kind of image that you want. Uh, or you can have an existing picture and build a character off of that. I've had colleagues do that with my own picture and turn me into a character. So um, there's a lot of possibilities there. I think those tools are best used for creative brainstorming to develop multiple versions and get ideas going. And then, yeah, if you're going to create a green giant, obviously – you probably need to go through market research and, and, and maybe focus groups to see what's going to work the best for your target audience and all that. But sh- yes, it, you can use it and you should use it because those tools are available and they help marketers be more creative well, and productive. Let's go to Nick in Duluth. Nick, what is your observation? Um, well, I guess I have multiple um points of view when it comes to using AI. I think um, it's comfort level definitely – um, I think is affected generationally. I think, um, you know, technology natives um, like myself who grew up with the internet certainly are, you know, always anticipating that next new release of, you know, advanced software that we can use in our daily lives. And AI is no exception. Um, I have uh, different experiences being a grad student. Um, I constantly have my AI tool open through the Snapchat app, actually, and it helps me um, research and learn about different human development theories that I can then apply to these different um, papers I'm writing for my graduate degree. Um, So, uh, yeah, I used to, um, with my ex, you own a furniture store, 13 Main, here in Duluth in the Craft District, and we would also have um, scheduled social media posts about different products. Um, that would we would schedule ahead of time, and um, we hadn't a chat GBT hadn't um, yet come out when we first started, and so we would have to come up with the verbiage and come up with you know who our client was and study that and um, speak the language that we would want them to hear about our different products. And now with AI, um, it's as simple as saying uh, we carry a farmhouse leather sofa and I want to market it to a soccer or a hockey mom um, and tell her about these different aspects of the product and how it'll improve her life. All right. Well, well, thank you. I'm going to divide this between uh, my guests because you've you've given us a lot to think about. So thank you very much. And um, 
Joe, I'm going to ask you about being a graduate student. I mean, we kind of mentioned about the education, but using AI as a graduate student. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing with myself of how it could help me maybe write my research papers more effectively. And, you know, my take on that is I think, you know, I believe it was Nick, uh, one way that he's using it, it's a great application, is it's quite good at saying, here are some papers. Can you give me kind of a brief synopsis of them or tell me what the main point of them is? And I think it's quite good at, at summarizing uh, existing content. When I talk about like you know doing research and writing papers, for me personally, where I find it it falls a little short. Whenever I write a paper, there may be twenty research papers I want to refer to kind of loosely. I just need to know what they generally found. Right. Great for that. There'll probably be you know five to ten papers maybe that are really on my topic, and I need to know them at a really detailed, nuanced level. It's not so great at getting those little nuances. So if I want to say why does my work differ from this other paper. It'll get the generalities right, but a lot of times the devil's in the details. And so I do think that's where we still need that expertise to be added, that set of eyes to look at. But in terms of just summarizing papers or or other knowledge you've been given, it's pretty good. And Corey, I thought it was a pretty nice example, you know, the Lincoln Park neighborhood in in Duluth. You have a furniture store and what it was doing social media before chat GPT and doing social media after. Yeah. Absolutely. So this caller understands marketing strategy. And what else is cool is that they're using AI tools to enable them to be more productive. So identifying their their target audience and developing content that's relative to them and using social media as an advertising platform and using their content, pre-scheduling their posts. So yeah, it's great to hear that. So And it also just shows that these tools are they're they're accept they're they're accessible to any type of business. You know, you, you could almost have your own internal agency, if you will, if you if you if you understand the principles of marketing and know the tools and so, yeah. yeah. So let's go to uh Lee in Austin. And Lee, what is your experience with AI? Hi. Well, I'm a writer. Um I write for an app based story startup. It's a, gonna be a kind of edutainment game for kids. I've also written articles, and you know what? A lot of us writers are kind of afraid that, you know, tools like ChatGPT and stuff will, well, they'll take over our industry, and I don't think that's true. Um, I have ADHD, anxiety, PTSD, you know, basically a pretty bad trifecta right there, and it gives me writer's block sometimes. So I use ChatGPT, the free edition, mind you, as a sounding board, and I don't think it would be good for writing full articles, honestly, but it does sometimes help come up with, like, I don't know, little ideas and story starters when I'm having trouble thinking of things on my own. So as kind of a catalyst or springboard, it's it's really an amazing tool, and I'm glad it exists. So what people were saying before about needing the human touch with AI I think that'll always be the case. I don't think us writers have anything to fear. And I actually greatly enjoy using it. I think I told told the person I was talking with before on the phone, actually, that, you know what, I find it almost like having a friendly assistant. So pretty awesome. Okay, well, thank you very much. And uh, Joe, this echoing, uh, she's echoing some of the comments that that you've made. But there is this deep fear. I mean, particularly in the creative industries, that this is going to take away from creativity. Yeah. This is going to take away from, you know, using your 
your emotions, your intellect, you're connecting the dots to come up with new things to sort of really pull things together. Yeah, I think two analogies have struck with me here. One is, um, so a friend of mine who I can consider quite intelligent, he's an economist, and I was talking to him about this. I said, man, what, what if it just takes away a lot of these jobs or whatever? And he made a good point. He's like, well, you know, everyone said that when the Industrial Revolution happened, <laughs> right? It's like, you, you think all these things are going to change it. Or when spreadsheets came out and ERP systems came out where businesses could suddenly do all their bookkeeping automatic. They're like, well, why would we need accountants? Well, there's more demand for those almost than ever now. So I think part of that is, I think what will happen is it just transitions where you're going to spend your time. And for some professions, we probably will hire a few less. I think travel agents would be an example of where technologies replace them. For others, I think what will happen is maybe the writer now spends a lot more time developing the story and that, that that becomes where the real value is. And they don't spend as much time you know, making sure the grammar's correct or, or some of the other things, right? And so I, I, I do think it's, it's overblown in some areas and probably underblown in others. But I think this idea that it's going to do everything and suddenly no one needs to work. I mean, this isn't the first technology people have claimed that. Well, there, there was there, – there... Every once in a while, and, and the the first caller, I think that was her name, was was Molly, and you know, talking about that this has been around for a long time, and some of it, you kind of feel like people read too much science fiction, and they've leapt from where we are today to the apocalypse very, very quickly. Um, I'm not sure if that's fair or not, but it always kind of strikes me that way. Yeah, I just think what's going to happen is we'll we'll spend more time leveraging our unique expertise areas. And less time doing the things that anyone could kind of do more. Um, and Corey, I mean, it, it, this search, uh, which Lee was saying, echoes what you were saying about it. This is like helps your brainstorming. Yes. I think her her view on it is a classic and great use case of how it should be used. I like the term sounding board. Um, and, you know, it's a, th- it's a thought starter. I would never use copy right out of ChatGPT, out of the box, as they say, or like copy and paste. That's not that's not how it should be used, um, and if you do use it that way, you, you might you'll probably get called out on it, you know. But uh, definitely a thought starter and uh, a way to be more pro- productive with your writing. So let's go to uh, Joe in Minneapolis. And Joe, what is your what is your question? Hey, uh, this is actually a great segue to my question in that. Um, I'm a young professional, and I'd love to hear from the panel, you know, what advice would you give to young professionals or graduates in marketing who now have to grow and adapt with AI in their careers? What skills should they learn? What skills should they not learn? And how should they be thinking about it over the next 20 to 30 years? Uh, Joe, I'm so glad you called it your question. I'll go first to you, Corey, and then to you, Joe. Corey? Yeah, sure. Well, Shameless plug for AMA. There's a community of people there to network with marketers um, to talk about what tools they're using in their job. <clears throat> so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is just, yeah, just doing research and probably, you know, depending on what area of marketing you're in, researching those relevant tools and just, tr- you know, whether it's content, whether it's copy or developing images or video or any of those tools, you know, get familiar with them. A lot of them are available for free. And I'd say just get familiar with the landscape and follow follow the industry. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd give two big pieces of advice. Uh, the first is just start to open your awareness of where can I even possibly use it. So as you go through your everyday life, just think of different tasks that maybe it could do, maybe it can't. You'll start to figure out where it can help you and where it can't. And you've just got to... 
so often, even now, I mean, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. You know, my, my daughter said recently, it was my best friend. I was like, maybe. Um, but, you know, I'm always looking for, oh, I still forget. Oh, I guess I could do that. Like, so I think always just keep those eyes open. And then two, I think related to that, you just got to go try it out and see how it works for you. Like, just get your feet wet. It's not, I think sometimes in the media, it's characterized like, oh, uh, you know, anyone can just type it in and suddenly get this answer. There's definitely a skill to coaxing out what you want from it. And you'll have to figure out what you want, how to coax that out. And so I, I think those two things where I would say is one, really be on the lookout for places it might be useful. And then two, just try it. See how it does. I mean, that's what's nice about it being free. Yeah. It's free to try. It's a little bit of your time. But when it does work, you're going to get that time savings back almost instantly. And, you know, I was just thinking, curious what, what you think. If you're a freshman in, in college or a sophomore in college, you actually want your university to investing in your learning how to use AI, right? I mean, because when you graduate, you want to have this – because you're talking about it as a skill, right? How do you yep. use it? Yep. And there's this whole debate about whether it's good or bad. Irrelevant in the sense that if you're graduating, you want to be able to say, this is part of my education. I mean, as a professor, what, what I'm working on, right? I mean, this is all pretty new too. So it hasn't right. really come into curric- curriculums yet. Uh, I can tell you personally what I'm doing now is – I'm having to revamp almost every assignment to say I need to. I think the onus is on me to create an assignment that you can't simply do blindly with ChatGPT. The onus is on me to create that assignment where I want you to take some knowledge and learning you've done, combine it with it, and then get the output that we want. And so I think a lot of instructors are going to have to go back and change their assignments, change their materials, and and rethink the way they're doing it. I don't think this is going to be oh, the school has one class. Here's how to use ChatGPT. You're done. I, I think it's too woven into almost everything. I think almost every course is going to have to think about how can you leverage this? How can you use this? How can you weave it in? And Corey, you're thinking about, because uh, he had mentioned uh, professional development. He's mm-hmm. five years into his marketing career. I mean, how is this conversation affecting the way you think about training, retraining, uh, you know, learning new skills? Yeah. Well, like Joe said, it's all it's all very new. So everyone's still kind of learning on the fly. You can go to <clears throat> conferences and sit in on sessions. You can do your own research on the, the internet. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of on your own to learn it. Um, but what I can say on the, the agency side though, is that, you know, agencies work for clients and we're, we're responsible for getting them results. So like whatever tools we use, like I say, we can't, you don't just use them out of the box, that content, that whether it's copy or images, it has to be relevant to the target audience and it has to get results. Can chat, can AI guarantee that? No, it still takes a person to like follow that through. So that's just okay. two cents on that. So let's go to, let's go to Michael and Tracy and uh, Michael, what is your question? Hello. I, I, uh, was wondering if there was an AI technology that uses like the voice cloning, you know, like deep fakes where your voice sounds almost correctly to just listen. So uh, like uh, public speaker and professionals can listen to their own voice or their own speech and tell the AI to add drama or emphasis or something like that. So you can listen to it and listen to your own voice uh. and, uh, so you want to use this as a tool to improve your public speaking? What's that? Do you want to use this as a tool to improve your public speaking? Yes. Uh, Corey, Joe? 
Yeah. So I, I've played a little bit. And again, this is really new technology you're getting to now that's uh, really freely available. I did play with one recently. It's not quite what you're saying, but I think it's going where you're saying. And so what this technology would let you do, I think I had to give like a 30-second speech on any topic I wanted. I think it asked me just to talk about my hometown. So mine's called Versailles, Kentucky, very small town. So I, I gave this 30-second clip. Then it processes it. And then it creates basically the digital me. Um, and then I could give it any script I wanted. And it looked like a deep fake. It was me saying that script. And I would not have been able to tell the difference. The only way I could, my family couldn't tell any difference. The only way I could, usually when I hear myself speak, it sounds a little weird to me. This didn't sound weird to me. So it just, it was a little different, but I think it's a, a baby step to suddenly start to say, okay, now make me more empathetic or make me you know more excited. It's going to happen really soon. But that, that was actually scary to me how easy it was for me with almost no training in that area in less than an hour to have deep fakes of me that could say almost anything I wanted. And I wouldn't even be able to tell that wasn't me. So let's go to, I have a follow-up question to that, but I do want to get uh, James in uh, St. Croix Falls, uh, Wisconsin, into the conversation. And and James, what is your observation or question? Yeah, hello. Um, good, bad, or other, change is inevitable. I, I make set designs and fabrication and things that are found in magazine all over the advertising world. And uh, I've, I've noticed investments shifting starting last year, um, maybe going with materials and some things that we used in prior campaigns, um, and putting that money now towards prompters and other elements of AI. Um, so I, I'm speaking with other people within the industry and other major metropolitan areas that do this also, they're seeing something similar. Once again, good, bad, or other, I can't judge, but the impact is coming along. And uh, it's it's very interesting talking to some of the digital marketers and the uh, the level of excitement they have about AI. Corey, you're a digital yeah. marketer. Right. I'm curious, what, what what he means by prompters in this industry? I'm not super familiar. James? Uh, so prompters are, uh, it's a new position that basically didn't exist at this time last year. Um, people who are educated and specific on creating those prompts for AI to do oh, it much better than 99% of the people. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, Definitely take that. Yeah, a prompt engineer. Exactly. So this is a job that did not exist. This is part of what's fascinating about technology: you destroy some jobs, and you, who knew, you have a new category. Yeah. No, like I was saying earlier, it definitely takes a a human to prompt AI to get what you want out of it, and it, um, yeah, that I, I I can see that as an emerging um, profession. Absolutely. Especially like think of creating images. I mean, it, create, it requires the right kind of art direction and creative direction. With that, you need to be able to communicate with AI to get what you want out of it. Also to get like truthful information out of it, you know, um, to prevent, you know, these AI hallucinations and, and such. And I think what will happen is if I take, for example, the work I've been doing with designing taglines, it took me a good bit of effort to get the prompt right. I mean, I had to tweak it. I had to play with it. But now I have a template. And the way I see that happening is I've made that investment, but now any marketer can use my template to give them a jump start on how to create the taglines. And that person 
is still going to want the insight about who's the target audience, what message am I trying to create, what emotion am I trying to create. And so I think it's the same thing here. There'll be some investment to say, what are some good templates for creating prompts in this category? But then I think once you have those, I don't want the prompt engineer actually creating the final product. I really want them to create the template that then my artistic expert uses in, in some way. Okay, so we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, and I want to get to this question. All right. How does the consumer protect themselves from this? What's the learning curve on the consumer? Because, I mean, we all know we get caught up in marketing campaigns, right? But we also kind of know we're being sold to. We understand that we're being sold to. What does the consumer do to, to protect themselves in a world where AI is increasingly doing the marketing? Joe? I guess, it, I mean, this is, you're kind of getting kind of the free market view or not. I mean, one way, my, my initial knee jerk is, in some ways, I don't want to protect myself to the extent that it can recommend better products for me and tell me things that are going to make me happier. I think where it is worrisome is where it starts to, uh, you know, maybe it's using different tricks that it learns can trick me to fool me or where maybe it's taking advantage of certain populations to make bad decisions. And I think that ties all the way back to Molly's first question of ethics, right? right that one of the callers brought up. And so I, I don't know if there's much to protect you. My guess will be that they're probably, if you start to see um, a lot of efforts where that's happening, especially like fraud, you know, instead of getting the letter from the Nigerian general, it'll right. be a much better because one. You're, I mean, you're, you could be selling to me, right? Using the way you described uh, what's been created using your voice with, with uh, your hometown in, in, in Kentucky, you know, and I don't know whether it is it you or is it someone yeah. who's And I, I don't think the consumer is going to be the one that'll be able to protect themselves. I think it'll have to be regulation or other elements that are going to have to stop that. I, I don't know how any individual is going to know that that's fake or not. I mean, I can't tell about myself. So I, I mean, so I think that there, there will be elements of where I think now the ability to do fraud and other scams are just going to be turbocharged insanely. And so, I, and I don't know if the consumer is going to be able to protect themselves individually. I think that's where there may need to be other safeguards that may be regulations or other restrictions that can help with that. But it, it's a it's a tricky problem. And that's one reason some people don't want to let it. It's like Pandora's box. They don't necessarily want to let this thing out. Corey? Yeah, I think consumers should just be aware that they will continue to be targeted by companies. I mean, it's happening now. Uh, AI will only accelerate that like I said earlier, around ad testing and getting people to convert on websites. We may see more personalization of ads as we get even more targeted. And when I say targeted, it means like figuring out who you are and who we are selling to. It's going to get more fine-tuned. I think to another thing I learned from doing the deep fake video, I will never trust another video I see as being true. If I don't know the source... Okay. And on that note, our time is up for today. And I really want to thank you. Uh, this has been great. Joe Redden is chair in marketing analytics and a professor at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. Corey Dockin is president of the American Marketing Association's Minnesota chapter and vice president of business development at 08, a Minnesota-based digital agency. And this conversation was produced by Gretchen Brown. And I want to use Angela's Davis uh, expression, be safe, everyone. And she will be back tomorrow at nine. And I'm looking forward to that conversation. 
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.